0: Let's pray. Father, thank you for the words of those songs that we've been singing this morning. How great is our God. And Father, I pray that this morning as we go through this time of just listening to what you have to say to us through your word, that Lord will come to a a greater understanding of just how great you are. That, Lord, that you'll become larger in our imagination, larger in our understanding, larger in our faith because of your greatness. And so, Lord, would you touch each and every one of us here this morning, Lord, or those that will be watching on live stream, whether in their lounge room, in their bedroom, or wherever they may be watching this morning. God, would you touch our lives? Lord, we, we do constantly desire to be changed, to be more like you, more like you in your image, Lord. So be with us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Isn't it great to be in church again? Yeah. For those who are watching on live stream, there's nothing like being in a congregation where people love Jesus. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Just want to read a verse of scripture out of Psalm, chapter, Psalm 40, not chapter, Psalm 40 and verse 16. But may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who long for your saving help always say, The Lord is great. If you were to read the New King James Version, it says, That the Lord may be magnified. That the Lord made me magnify. How do you magnify God? <laughs> Come on. You know, He's a big God. He's a great boy. How do you magnify such a God as we, we serve and we follow today? Well, my understanding is that so often we have got such a small understanding of God. We have a little bit of an understanding, but God wants us to have a bigger understanding, a more larger understanding. So in some ways, we we want to put him under a, um, a magnifying glass, if you like, so that it brings him out a little bit further this morning so that you might pick up and understand a little bit of how great he really is this morning. Psalm 96 and verses 1 to 6 says, For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be favoured above all gods. For all the gods of the peoples are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. Honour and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. May all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say continually, Great is the Lord. You know the dictionary says of that word "great," it means boundless, it means um, unlimited, and it means abundant. And I particularly asked to have that song this morning: uh, "How great is our God?" It's a great song. I understand that, but there's, I want to unpack the words of that in a scriptural way this morning that may help us simply I'll, because I, I, I want to talk about how great is our God. How great is our God? Did you know that there are something like 57 verses in the Bible that refer to the greatness of God? I want you to go home and look them up and uh, go to your dictionary or go to the back of your Bible. I was looking at this one last night when I was over here, but in the back of your Bible, in some of your Bibles anyway, there's, there's maps, but there's also a concordance that you can look up the word of great or greatness and see how many you can pick up. I could, I could pick up about 57, but they're all referring to the greatness of God. So I won't be able to expand on all those 57 verses today, but you might be able to do that when you get home. But I, I know I personally like using that word great. I really do. I love using the word great. But we so often use it to talk about something that is maybe maybe unusually great or large in size. For instance, a a great earthquake. Uh, We talk about, oh, there was a great earthquake the other day that has shaken many cities uh, around the world. And more recently, back in 2016, we saw New Zealand go through an enormous earthquake that devastated areas of, of New Zealand. Or we use it in reference to a large number of people that can fill a stadium like maybe the MCG or something like that. Or it can be of great intensity in pain that has been inflicted upon you or upon somebody. It can be also referred to something that is especially good and wonderful like he's a great football player or, or we have great friends or whatever it might be and we use that word great so liberally. But not only is the word great flexible, but we can use it in five different ways if we want to, which I've just mentioned. We can talk about size and we can talk about number. We can talk about intensity and goodness and time. But let me reassure you that it is also a powerful word, a very powerful word, or at least it used to be. But over the decades, it's kind of lost its kind of... Intensity, I guess, of being overused when day after day it's a great day. Or a meal after meal is a great meal. I'm not going to mention the meal I had, Tim, it's okay. I could say he assaulted me last night, so I'll leave it to your understanding, all right? But we sometimes say, oh, that was a great meal, something like that. Or, or game after game, is a great game but we begin to lose the punch of the word somehow as Christians I believe we need to reclaim that word great back where things like boundless and unlimited start to describe what we're talking about as being great so where does the word great fit into our description of God the Bible tells us again and again, especially in the Psalms, that God is great and greatly to be praised. He is infinite and he's above all else. He's above all else. One of the wonderful things about this particular song that that we sang this morning was, it was written by Chris Tomlins is that it turns our attention to the real greatness of our God. I trust that as you sang that great song this morning, that something started to stir within your spirit as you looked at the words, as you sang the words. You see, it sets God before us as a standard of true greatness, true greatness. Perhaps when God becomes incre- in- increasingly the, the standard of what is great, then we will I guess increasingly become more careful of how we easily use the word great for great days and great meals or great games. Because in comparison to God, (laughs) they're they're really not that great, are they? Not in comparison. Maybe exceptionally good at, at least. And just as the word is flexible and can refer to things like size or number, intensity, and goodness and time. But this song gives us, I I think, several glimpses into the very greatness of our true God. And I want to kind of unpack that this morning. I've got about four areas that I want to quickly go, or as quickly as I can go through. Firstly, the greatness of his majesty. The greatness of his majesty. His greatness is the splendor. Of a king, not just any king, not just the king of some tribe or even of, of some nation, but the king of kings, and he's the Lord of lords of all the earth. In fact, the Bible says in Psalm ninety five, verse six Come, let us worship and bow down, let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is God. The Psalmist also said, Let all the earth rejoice. If we don't, the Bible says all creation will. Last Sunday at our pleasant Sunday afternoon, there was a hymn that we had. And I just grasped hold of some words or a line in that hymn that said, at the sound of his voice, the birds stop their singing. Can you under, can you imagine that? Have you ever been in a situation where you've spoken the words and creation stop? I haven't. I've never been in a situation like that. But here we have a situation that even creation, at the sound of the voice of this incredibly great God, stops and listens and listens. We we live in such a, a noisy world. There's very little time to actually stop and, and to listen, even when you get put on hold. Do you ever get put on hold on the, on the phone? Oh, sometimes it really annoys me. You know, there's either this terrible, what do you call it, green, green, green sleeves. Oh, man, I hope they burn that. It is a terrible bit of music. Or else if they don't do that, there's some other music that, that then they bring their ads in. I don't want to hear your ads. I want to hear the voice of somebody that says, can I help you? Something like that. We live in this very, very noisy world. Maybe it's time to stop and to listen to that very small, still voice of God's Spirit. In Revelation, it says, He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. But to do that, we need to stop and we need to listen. Folks, he is sovereign. He's supreme. He's supreme over all nations. He is clothed in his regal glory. In fact, he is great in royal majesty. <laughs> you know, when Jack Hayford, who was the, uh, the the writer of one of the songs, and I'll get to that in a moment, but one of the biggest churches in America at one stage called the the Church on the Way, and I had the privilege of going there and listening to him one day, just. Love this man of God who's Pentecostal pastor, but is just an incredible Bible teacher and loves people. But when he visited um, England, he went to London to visit uh, the palace of uh, Queen Elizabeth. He watched with absolute amazement the splendor of the royal guards as they stood upright with, with, without moving. I don't know if you've ever been there, but Anne and myself have been over there and, and I, I watch people as they try to flash the, their cameras in front of the guards and they don't move. Half of the time they don't even blink. I don't know how they do that, but they stand so majestically in front to, as guards to the, to the Queen. And as the queen made her way through the gates of the palace in her royal carriage, surrounded by incredible lavish flowers and horsemen in their their uniforms, he went on to tell that as he watched, he couldn't help but recognize the splendor of God. The splendor of God, who was above all even what he was witnessing. That was great splendor, but the splendor of God was unlimited, boundless, wow. And that night he went back into his motel room and he penned the the words of that wonderful song, which is a favourite of mine, people in Geelong will know, majesty, worship his majesty unto Jesus, be all glory, power or honour and praise. All my friends will know that. So firstly, we have the greatness of his majesty. But secondly, we have the greatness of his holiness, of his holiness. And 1 John 1, 1.5, it says, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. No darkness at all. There is no sin. There is no transgressions. There is no iniquity in him whatsoever. Not at all. Not even a speck. You see, church, he's not just great in his majesty, but he's great in his holiness as well. He's not just in charge or exalted above all other gods because he is the ultimate of perfection. He is sinless. There's no sin in him at all. And he is the spotless lamb of God. No wonder John the Baptist, as he was baptizing people in the River Jordan, was able to look up and see Jesus coming towards him, even though he wasn't sure it was Jesus. But he saw this man coming towards him. He said, behold, behold the man of God that takes away the sin of the world. The lamb, the lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Church, that's great news to know that we have a lamb who takes away our sin. Whether you're here this morning or or watching on live stream, Jesus takes away our sin. In fact, he washes us clean and he remembers them no more. I love that about God. You know, there's things I wish I could forget. I'd love to be able to forget them. You know, the pain of it has subdued. But every now and again, up comes the memory. I go, oh. But you know, with God, he doesn't do that. He's the only one that is able to forget. He washes our sins away. And in Micah 7.90, he says, He will again have compassion upon us and will subdue our iniquities, you will, you will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. And for those of you who like to go fishing, he says, no fishing, no fishing. They're gone. They've been washed away. They've been buried into the depths of the sea. The greatness of our God is the unlimited standard of truth. The ultimate standard of character and the ultimate in moral uprightness. He even announced to his disciples, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. And no one comes to the father except through me, except through me. Let me tell you something that I have openly witnessed in my time when pastoring in in Indonesia. That when Jesus speaks, darkness flees. And I want to tell you, you go to a place like Indonesia, and there's other places, there's a lot of darkness around, a lot of darkness, because he is the truth and because he is the light. Did you know... That you can switch on the light and darkness is dispelled? Did you, you know that, don't you? Oh, I'm glad. So, I thought I was the only science teacher, uh, which I'm far from. But did you know you can't switch on the dark to dispel the light? Isn't that interesting? Jesus is the light of the world. He switches on the light in the darkest areas sometimes of our lives. And when his light shines in, darkness has to flee. It has to flee. And the song says he wraps himself in light and darkness tries to hide and it trembles at his voice. Why? Because he's the greatest in holiness. There's no sin in him. And Satan and Satan can't get a foothold in. Can't get a foothold in. And myself, we've been watching a bit of uh, sermons on, on YouTube lately, and we were watching one by Louis Gigolo, who who actually uh, got Chris Tomlin's to write that song "How Great Is Our God," because he was wanting to talk about it. But he, he, he was he was talking on his sermon um, title was, "Don't Let Satan." Sit at your table. Don't let Satan sit at your table. So even as we come around communion later on, that's the Lord's table. We call it the Lord's table. Communion, whatever you want to call it. But don't let Satan sit at it. Don't let Satan sit beside you and say, you don't need to do this. You're not worthy to take this. Don't let him. Don't let him get a foothold into your house. we are got to bind him. We're to cast him out. And the only way to do that is to understand the greatness and the holiness and the authority of our God in the name of Jesus. I often ask myself, Lord, is that my problem sometimes? that I let Satan have a foothold into the door of my life? And I want to tell you when Satan gets a foothold in, he'll squirm his whole body in and he'll take over. Even the angels in heaven are heard to sing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. I want to say when you look at scripture and a word like that, is, is repeated, holy, holy, holy. What he's saying, what the angels are saying, God, you are holy. God, you are, you are really holy. God, you are really, really holy. It's like in, in the Gospel of John when it says, you know, truth, truth, truth. Saying that he is the ultimate in truth. So first see he's great in majesty. Secondly, we find he's great in his holiness. But thirdly, he is great in eternity. In other words, he's never had a beginning and there's never been an end. Never will be. The Bible states he is the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. Nothing came before him and nothing will follow him. And it's important to know that before before the very foundation of the world, Jesus said, I knew you. I love that, that before the very foundation of this world, Jesus knew you. He knew you, you, and you before the foundation of the world, before your parents even had a twinkle in their eye. He knew you. In fact, it says that he knows every hair on your head. In fact, he also says he knows every sparrow that drops to the ground. There is nothing that God doesn't know. That's who we believe in, God. And I want to say to you that this morning again, God has a plan and he has a purpose for your life. And you need to find that plan. You need to understand that purpose in your life because God has got it there for you. Simply ask him, say, what is your plan and purpose for my life? And if you can't quite discern it, let's talk about it. In fact, he knows every single one of us by name. God is the Holy One. And the greatness of God stands unmoved. Unmoved. As the song says, from age to age he stands and time is in his hand, beginning and the end. He is great in relation to time because he is timeless. And the Bible gives a kind of an analogy that one day is is a thousand years. Time doesn't matter to God. When we get to heaven, there'll be no clocks. Hallelujah. You know, what's the time? Gee, it's getting near lunchtime. You won't worry about that up there. There's no time. And then finally, the greatness of his mercy, the greatness of his mercy. He's not only one, but he's three. He's God the Father, he's God the Son, and he's God the Holy Spirit. All three in one. They work together with a, with a happy relationship. You know, the, the son's not saying, well, you know, I can do that better than you, Dad. And the Holy Spirit's not saying, well, you know, Jesus, you've done your work. It's me now. You sit back. They don't work like that. That's how sometimes families work down here on earth. But that's not how the Godhead works. They work as a relationship. And his mercy is not only with the greatness of a lion, but also with the gentleness of a lamb. Love that about God. And in his greatness as both the lion and a lamb is what truly makes him great in mercy. Oh, I, I love to hear the great roar of the lion who is the, the king of the jungle. I love to hear that. And friends, there are times in our lives when we can hear that roar of authority. Not as someone to be feared, but one who has the authority, King Jesus. I loved watching the movie The Lion King as he roars. As he stands on that big rock and he roars out. He's he's saying I'm the authority. I'm the king. In Revelation Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah, but he but it's that roar of authority. It was also the roar as he was saying I'm back. I'm back. You thought you got rid of me, Satan, but I'm back in bigger authority than what you've ever experienced. And one day every knee shall bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord. Church, you need to know and to understand that he he gives to us that same roar of authority. He gives it to us. He gives it to us. If you have Jesus in your life by the Spirit of God, you have that roar. You have that authority in Jesus. And we have it over the evil one. And my Bible says that Satan trembles. He trembles. I love it when he trembles. And I'm acclaiming today that Jesus is alive at his back. We don't serve a dead saviour, church. We serve one who's alive. But I also love to understand him as that, that gentle lamb who comes and snuggles up to you in, in times of, of trouble, in times when you're feeling lonely, in times when you're, you're feeling hurt and the pain seems to be so much, the lamb is there. Sometimes when you're going through grief, the lamb is there to bring comfort. He, he It's like he, he pulls his arms around you and draws him to, to himself. So as great as he is in majesty and holiness and eternal, but it is his greatness of his mercy that is found in Jesus, his son, that brings us sinners into a a wonder of, of eternal joy, of an everlasting relationship with our great God as sons and daughters, as saints. We've been adopted into his family. I love it. You're a daughter. You're a son. And, be, and, and above all that, you're a saint. Isn't that amazing, guys? We're a saint. Girls, you're a saint. You didn't have to claim four miracles. God says you are a saint. I can hear somebody going, Oh, you don't know, you don't know my life, do you? No, I don't. But Jesus says you're a saint. And I want you to start believing what Jesus is saying because Jesus doesn't tell lies. He's the truth above all truth. In church, mercy shows us his incredible forgiveness. It shows us his unending compassion and his unmerited favor of grace. Grace, grace upon grace. In our lives. God in his great mercy stepped out of heaven. He stripped himself of all his royal robes. And he came down to this very sinful earth as a servant. I love reading that those verses where when he was with his disciples and said he took off his outer garment and he took a towel and he took on the position of of a servant and he knelt before them and he washed their dirty, filthy feet and he's done the same for us he got down as it were on his knees upon a cross and he washed us clean of all of our dirt all of our sin because of his grace god allowed his son to die for you and me we didn't deserve it i didn't deserve it any enough for what i've done but that's his grace that he pours into our lives and says no you're not worthy but i'm making you worthy because I'm going to come and live in your life and dwell in your life. At the end of the day, as he hung upon that cross, as he looked at the world, he said, God, it's finished. I've accomplished everything that you asked me to do. And he bowed his head and he gave up his life for us. No wonder the Bible declares, for God so loved the world. Why don't you personalise that? Can I personalise it for my sake, just so you can understand? For God so loved Paul Downey, that he gave his only son, that if, Paul Downey, you believe in my son, you will have everlasting life. Is that your story? No more sacrificing. No more shedding of blood like it was in the Old Testament. Jesus has paid the ultimate price of our sin once and for all at the cross. And today all we have to do is accept of that free gift of forgiveness in our life. You do not have to pay one extra cent. It's all been paid for. You ever been somewhere and, and they said, it's all right, sir, it's been paid for? Really? I love it when Anna and myself have that prompting of the Spirit to say, why don't we pay for that person for whatever reason it is? And then just walk out. That's what Jesus did. He paid it all. Our debt. (laughs) But friends, he not only wants to be your saviour, he wants to be your Lord. He wants to be your Lord. Young couple. Been going together for quite a while and the young man decided that it's time to get married. And so one night he arranged this beautiful table with candles on it and all that type of stuff, good stuff, Um, good stuff. And during the meal he, he pulled out a box from his pocket and he got down on one knee and he said, Darling, I love you will you marry me? Oh, she, she said, oh, yes. And she got all excited and bubbly and teary and all those things, you know, that stuff. And he said, oh, just, just by the way, he said, uh, I, I, I want to marry you, but would you mind if I kept my relationship with my ex-girlfriend because she's really, you know, I really love her too. Oh, gee, I, I don't know, she said, um, I thought it would be just you and me. Well, yeah, but we can share it. And she said, well, what about if I, maybe if I just see her once a month and we'll just spend the night together. Oh. And then he said, well, if you're not happy, maybe, maybe twice a year. And she said, no, I don't think so. I either get all of you or nothing. Isn't that the same with us? We're the bride. Jesus is the groom. And we're saying, Jesus, I want to be married to you. I want to have this relationship, but do you mind if I still have this? Do you mind if I still go into these places? And I hear Jesus saying, it's either all or nothing. You know, sometimes we sing that old hymn, all to Jesus I surrender. But do we? I know I find it really hard. I have no doubts in my mind that we serve a truly great Great God. But the interesting question is do you know the Jesus of the Bible? Do you know the Jesus of the Bible? I'm not talking about someone that you thought was only fictional, and I'm talking to those here this morning, but those who are on live stream as well, because I know they tap in from lots of places. Is he just fictional? Or is he just some great guy in history that did some wonderful things? Jesus is the one who desires a personal relationship that is 24-7. 24-7. I wonder, have you received of this great mercy? Have you received of this great forgiveness? Have you received of this great grace, and have you received of this great love which is boundless and, excuse me and unconditional unconditional that's an interesting word, isn't it? Anne and myself have been discussing unconditional we're saying do you do you love me Anne unconditionally and she said, "No, I went oh." And she said, well, do you love me unconditionally? And I went, no, probably not. I love her extremely. Our love today is far greater than it's ever been. But see, God is the only one that can love unconditionally until we get into glory and we become perfect as Jesus. But we need to work on that love, don't we? We need to work on it. Going back a f- few years ago, as I said, when I was ministering in Bali, I was speaking to a young man and he was explaining to me how he'd tried all religions and they just didn't seem to have any satisfaction. And we were talking there for quite a while And eventually he came to understand until he received Jesus into his life, he couldn't fill the void that was in his life. I call it something like the God hole, the God hole. And I've seen people who have tried everything to fill this hole that can only be filled by God. And it doesn't fit. It's like putting a a round peg into a square hole or vice versa, whatever you want to try. Doesn't work. But when we come, start to understand the only thing that will fill that hole is Jesus, it fits perfectly. fits perfectly. Church, the major difference between other faiths and the Christian faith is that ours is a personal relationship with the creator of the universe. That's the difference. One who only created, not only created the universe itself, but created every single one of us. You think your parents did a great job? No, it was God. Because he knew you before the foundation of this earth. And he desires that personal relationship with each of us this morning. The psalmist said, may all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who love your salvation say continually, great is our God. Great is our God. Let's pray. I wonder as our heads are bowed this morning, as the worship team might like to come up. As our heads are bowed this morning, in this moment of what I believe could be such an important moment for someone, whether here this morning or whether watching on live stream. Do you know this Jesus that I've been talking about? And I can hear some of you say, yeah, well, I've been to church all my life. Well, big deal. That's great. That's not the answer to the question. The question is, do you know the Jesus of the Bible that I've been talking about in a personal relationship through faith? If I was to ask you this question this morning, as you sit here or on live stream, if you were to stand before God tonight and he was to say to you, Why should I let you into my heaven anyway? What would your answer be? Well, I've been to church most of my life. Wrong answer. Well, I give my tithes and my offering. Sorry, wrong answer. Well, I've been faithful to my wife or my husband. Sorry, wrong answer. I'd hate to hear those words, depart from me. I never knew you. You see, folks, the only way that we can have an entrance into the kingdom of God is through a relationship, a personal relationship with Jesus. And if you haven't done that this morning, I'm going to encourage you to do that because I felt this is what God was. Saying to me today, invite people to know me. And If you've never invited Jesus into your life, would you pray this short prayer with me if that's what you want? It's a simple prayer of commitment to Jesus. Just say, dear Lord Jesus, I thought I knew you. But today... I'm coming to understand that I don't have that personal relationship and I want it. I want to know this great, great God. Would you come into my life right now? Would you forgive my sin? Would you take it away? And fill me with your Holy Spirit of cleansing, of righteousness. And allow me to enter into that place, our God, that you have prepared for me when my time has come. Because, Lord, when that trumpet sounds, I want to hear it. And I want to go to be with you. Help me to understand that even more today, Lord Jesus. As by faith, I ask you right now, come in. Come into my life. Change my life. As our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, I wonder if that was your prayer this morning. Even in this congregation here, if that was your prayer this morning I'm just going to give you the opportunity of confessing that before God in the open not in front of people with their eyes closed but just so that I could acknowledge it and say bless you if that was your prayer this morning I wonder if you'd just like to raise your hand so I can see it I won't mention you by name anything like that but if that was your prayer this morning I wonder if you just raise your hand very quickly so that I can see it. Maybe for those watching in live stream, maybe if you just simply share it with somebody and say, look, I just want to let you know I invited Jesus into my life. So, Father, I pray today as we continue on into singing this great song of how great you are, that, Lord, it will bring a new meaning into our lives it'll stir us up stir us up lord and as we go through communion another way of expressing your love to us and our love to you in jesus name i pray amen